everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Orange and White Podcast. I'm Dan Hope, joined as always by Brad Senkiv and Brandon Rink, and it's ACC Championship Week. Clemson about to head down to Orlando to play Virginia Tech. Brad will be heading down in just a couple hours, so a uh, big week coming up for Clemson. Uh, one game away, looking to make a return trip to the college football playoff. Uh, of course, we'll look back quickly at the previous game against South Carolina, and really, uh, that game couldn't have gone any better for Clemson. A 56-7 win, uh, pretty much a completely dominant effort on both sides of the ball. I mean, I, I don't think anyone really could have asked for much more from that game. Uh, what were your guys' biggest takeaways from that game? Well, I think that you know the effort levels, you know the, the disparity in effort levels. I I think Clemson was really motivated in that game. Obviously, they had to win to stay in the playoff hunt. But the, I think there was a little bit of understanding that it's not just about winning. You got to look good doing it too. And they didn't want to take any chances with the committee. I think they wanted to be dominant, uh, showcase pretty much everything they have, and they did in that game. You know, I mean, I think. If Deshaun Watson and, and company stay in that thing, what do they get, 70 points at least? I mean, they, they, they're breaking into the 70s. Probably. Um, so I, I think it's pretty clear Clemson was focused. Uh, they were pumped up. You know, there was a lot of trash talk. There was a lot of, uh, you know, little storylines that were manufactured in a lot of ways uh, is the easy way to say it. But I, I just think South Carolina realized quickly how overmatched they were, and I think they just kind of um, – you know, step to the side and let Clemson do what it wanted because Clemson was on a mission that game. I think we just we we're seeing kind of the continued sort of new life after that pit loss, kind of that refocus. Uh, you know, the Clemson defense has given up only 3.7 yards per play since that Pittsburgh game, and they've not been going up against really good offenses, but they've been dominating, and you know they they've found their stride in the on the offensive end too, and it's they're playing well at the right time. I certainly think the offense has has kind of found another gear a little bit. I, I think they they're they found out who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked a lot about their identity. Are, you know, are they still a run team? Or, you know, are they going to throw it all over the field? I think they've settled into to thinking. You know, we, we always hear them say, "Going to do whatever it takes to move the football, whether it's run or pass." But I think they figured out their niche in that, and they feel comfortable in that now. It's not a Balance beam, you know, it's, it's it's they know where they're at right now. Here's my question: We've seen Clemson look really good the past couple weeks, but it's been against Wake Forest and South Carolina. Do we think Clemson really has gotten better after that pit game, or have they just taken advantage of lesser opponents? It's a little bit of both, mm-hmm. you know. I, I I think there is something to it, you know. These opponents aren't going to challenge Clemson in the ways that a pit did. They don't have the schemes, especially offensively, to challenge Clemson's defense like it did. And I think offensively, Clemson was able to run the ball. They knew they were going to be able to run the ball. They knew they weren't going to run the ball against Pitt. Deb Sweeney alluded to that all week, that it was going to be tough, the way they stacked the box. They knew they could move it that way on Wake and South Carolina, and they wanted to kind of, I think in some ways, reestablish themselves and their confidence in the run game. At the same time, they, I think they have gotten better. I think they're, they're peaking more at the right time mm-hmm. than last year when they were kind of stumbling. They admitted this week they were just stumbling down the stretch last year. Yeah, I think when you're talking about a team as talented as Clemson, having this kind of confidence momentum is really big going into the, the championship games, into the playoff. I think they're on a roll, and they know, they're know they seeing themselves succeed, and they know they can just 
do the same thing moving on. There's a difference between limping into a playoff game and, and feel because Clemson really just wanted to get in that playoff and then get that month of rest. Mm-hmm. Now I think they're in a position where they, they're, they're healthier, they're fresher, and they just feel better overall where they are. I don't want to get into the storyline too much about the whole racial slur accusations and what happened, you know, allegedly during Saturday's game. But just in terms of the trash talk, like you mentioned, Brad, I mean, I think it was pretty evident. You know, there were some people who wondered, oh, how much does this game matter to Clemson? Will they will they be looking ahead? I think it was pretty evident after that game that this game mattered a lot to Clemson, and they really cared about not just winning their rivalry game, but making it clear who the better team was by a wide margin. Yeah, I think Dabo Sweeney did a good job of getting his team to focus on that game and, and fire it up. Now, how he found ways to fire them up and, and take some quotes and things that I think were probably out of context a little bit, it doesn't change the fact that Clemson used it as motivation. Um, and I give Sweeney credit for figuring out how to get his team ready because that, that easily could have been a game where Clemson just fell asleep. You know, and, and didn't put forth its best effort. But, um, you know, I think in a lot of ways that game, and not not the racial accusations, but just the, the trash talk and the way the game went, I think it's good for the rivalry. Because if Clemson would, if everybody just shook hands and everybody was happy after the game, it was 56 to 7, it would have been a pretty clear sign that South Carolina was just bowing down. The teams are supposed to hate each other. Yeah. It's a rivalry. Yeah. It's supposed to be buddies. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun next year in Columbia. I don't know how much how much more competitive South Carolina can be, but you know, Clemson is going to be a very different team. Yep. I think it's going to be – it, it does add another notch to the rivalry. And that's good. I think I think the fans should should be okay with that. And it gives Muschamp you know, a, a, a look at what he's up against in this rivalry, how far behind he is right now. Moving forward now, Clemson about to play Virginia Tech this weekend. You know, team Clemson hasn't played since 2012. Uh, a new coach there at Virginia Tech, Justin Fuente. So it's going to be something Clemson hasn't seen before. Uh, based on what you guys have seen, what do you guys think the biggest challenges are going to be that Virginia Tech can present? Well, I mean, they've got skill position weapons. Uh, you know, Jared Evans is a solid quarterback. He, he can run, he can pass. Uh, they've got uh, a good running back in McMillian and uh, you know, good, a good core of receivers. I think they've been kind of up and down. They've kind of had some of the same issues Clemson has with turnovers. Uh, they, they had a lot of turnovers in the Tennessee game. They had five lost fumbles in the Tennessee game. Uh, and you know, the defense you know, under Bud Foster is always good, always good on third down, good at pressuring you, good in the secondary. Uh, what they've had, the issues they've had is kind of in the run defense. You know, against Georgia Tech, you know, they lose by 10 at home to a backup quarterback with Georgia Tech, and they gave up over 300 yards rushing, which isn't all that, you know, weird against Georgia Tech, but they're, they can give up, uh, you know, yards on the ground, and that's something where Clemson's improvement in that area helps going into this game. I feel like in a lot of ways Virginia Tech has played to the level of their competition this year. You know, they they go to Syracuse and, and get blown out, you know, and they looked really bad in that game, and um, but yet they they played North Carolina in a hurricane and, and whipped them with ease. You know, I, I I they took Pitt's best shot and they beat Pitt, and that was a I think that's one of their signature wins this year because Pitt I thought was firing on cylinders that night. Pitt kind of shot themselves in the foot a few times. Virginia Tech took advantage and won the game. So it's it's a team that I expect to play well this week. Now, what do they do to challenge Clemson? You know, Brandon talked about some of their weapons. I think their scheme is difficult on offense, too. Fuente uses a lot of option-based strategy in this game or with this team, but they do it in a different way. It's a lot of motion. 
you see a guy come in jet motion, he might hand off, he might hand off to the running back, he might throw the ball, he might run it himself. There's just so many different things that Virginia Tech can do. Uh, Clemson's going to have to really, really focus on his assignments this week. I think the two guys I'm going to be keeping a close eye on are Bucky Hodges, the tight end for Virginia Tech, and Sam Rogers, the fullback for Virginia Tech, because both of these guys are dynamic playmakers. They've both made more than their share of big plays this year, and Clemson's had problems all year against covering the tight ends and the fullbacks, guys who are not conventional receivers. I mean, against Pitt, the guys who made big plays against Clemson weren't guys who've been making big plays all year. They just took advantage of a, of a schematic advantage they had over Clemson. And I think Virginia Tech is going to look to exploit that again. I think one of the keys for Clemson to not getting beat on defense in this game is going to be making sure you have a plan to stop Bucky Hodges, to stop Sam Rogers. Don't let him beat you in the unconventional plays. I, I think they'll be able to stop Isaiah Ford. I think they'll be able to stop a perimeter passing game because they've had good success against that all year. But I think it's if you let Hodges or Rodgers, guys like that, make big plays, that's the recipe for disaster. And with the motions, too, you're going to have to watch out for trick plays. Uh, there, there was one point this year where uh, Rodgers threw a touchdown pass. So they're going to use their guys in different ways. I think it's, it's going to be a fun matchup seeing Fuente versus Venables. What do you think is the way that Clemson's going to defend Roger, or defend Hodges? Because as Ben Bolwer said, he thinks of him as a receiver because he lines up so much in, as a wideout or even in the slot or whatever. Kind of like Clemson uses legged at times. Mm-hmm. What's the matchup there? Do you, do you put Ryan Carter on him, who's going to be way undersized? Do you put Dorian O'Daniel on him, who's going to get burnt? I mean, what? How do you defend that guy, especially on third downs and in the red zone? Yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. I mean, that was a good point Bowler made this week. But Hodges doesn't really play like a true tight end. He's more of a flex guy, a guy who plays a lot of receiver. Uh, I don't think Ben's going to be the guy on him. I think if Ben's the guy on him, they're going to be in trouble. <laughs> they're going to um, rotate out of that real but, quick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. You know, Ryan Carter would be the natural choice because he plays a lot of nickel, is kind of a corner safety hybrid, but he, he might be overmatched because of size. You know, I, I don't know, maybe you, you put a guy like Mark Fields yeah. in there, give him some reps. Uh, Dorian O'Daniel, maybe Kayvon Wallace gets Marcus some reps. Edmund. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to mix it up a little bit. I think when you're going against a guy with Hodges' physical traits, you can't just stick a guy on him. You have to move guys around to make sure that you've got the right guy in place. So I, I don't think it'll be a, a lot of one guy. I think maybe they'll kind of mix some guys in and out and see what works. But this isn't a team where you can just put all your focus on Hodges because Correct. on the outside, you know, I, I don't know if anybody's much better than Isaiah Ford in this league. And then Kev Phillips, I mean, they, they've got weapons on the outside that's going to challenge Clemson and, and in the slot. So I think that uh, that matchup to me, because – if you whoever you put on there, what does that do to the other players? Good point. You know, because you can't put Cordrick Tankersley on him because then who no, who defends Tankersley's Isaiah got, Ford? Tankersley will be covering Ford, yeah. but yeah, it, it, it's it's going to be another chess game, and certainly you know, like you said, that Fuente versus Venables matchup is going to be really interesting because it's a new matchup we haven't seen it before, and I think Venables is going to be tested. I think Cle- I think Clemson's got the talent to stop them, but it's a matter of can they get the right scheme in place? And what it's really going to, I think what it'll come down to is how much pressure is going to be on Evans. You know, Evans isn't probably at the top of the league in, in completion percentage. You know, how many throws are going to be hurried? I think that's going to determine, you know, how accurate he's going to be getting it to, his, to the playmakers. Yeah. 
you know, a lot of talk too about Evans in the run game. He's kind of an in between the tackles guy. He's not a Lamar Jackson who's who's going to hit the corner and go. But I want to talk about the other side of the ball because I think Deshaun Watson needs to run in this football game mm-hmm. because I think Virginia Tech is susceptible to that. I don't think this is an especially great Virginia Tech defense. I think it's good. I think it's solid. They don't have a ton of stars, but I think they've got a good, solid scheme with the Bud Foster runs. But I think that if Watson could run the ball and expose them and use the play action, they've been hurt by that this year. I, I think if there's any game you unleash Watson, maybe it's this one. I mean, do you think they would consider that, or are they saving him for a potential playoff? You can't really think like that, but what what would you do with Deshaun Watson? I mean, it probably depends to some degree on how healthy he is, because we, we, we still aren't sure about that ourselves. But I, I think that, you know, if you feel comfortable with that, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think... We talked about if they built that momentum up in the run game the last two weeks. They need to keep that going. I mean, they, they, they really do. I think that's their offense. We've talked about it all year. When their run game has been at their best, their offense has looked the, the best. I mean, they, we know they can pass the ball. They're going to be able to make some plays in the passing game. But when they are able to throw off of a run, when they have that rhythm going, they're at their best. And I think if you can, you can take advantage of that, uh, you have a chance to really overwhelm that Virginia Tech defense and run away with this game. It sounds weird, but I think they're going to watch a lot of that Georgia Tech tape because they use a lot of triple option principles with like the jet motions where they'll bring Artavis Scott across or they'll fake a handoff and have Deshaun run out and then maybe do that that quick pass the outside. I think they're going to use a lot of those triple option principles to try to beat them again to beat Virginia Which State. is what they did a lot last year and the year before. We just haven't seen it as much. And they've used year. it a lot in the last two weeks. Right. They have used, they have showcased that more. It's been less of Deshaun just sitting in the pocket and trying to hit an open receiver. Um, but I, I still think that's the key to this game. I really feel like if, if they turn him loose and let him run some, actually run the zone read where he would you know keep it and run it himself and not just hand off every time, I think could really open some things up for Clemson down the field using some play action and take the pressure off. You know, let let Mike Williams work down the field a little bit. Let Deion Kane get deep. Um, I, I think that would be very beneficial for Clemson. Well, and, and you talk about turn loose, and we've talked about this this season already. It's going to be down to Deshaun. Is Deshaun going to turn himself loose? And I think in the last two weeks he has turned himself loose. Yeah, I think I think he's run better. You know, he's run more – a little bit more like he, he did last year. Now, he's not getting the, the massive amount of yards, but I still think there were some opportunities and he took advantage of them. But, you know, does he need to have a 70 to 100-yard game in, in the postseason from here on out to to really get Clemson to the next level? I don't know if he needs to this week, but I think there's a good chance he's going to need to before the season's over if they're going to win a title. Yeah, I think in some of these bigger games, you know, when you're playing a – I mean, against like an Alabama, I mean, you're going to need that threat with him being able to run and being able to throw. I've asked this question most weeks, and I've usually been wrong, but I'm going to ask it again. The spread's 10 points right now. Uh, do we think Clemson will cover that spread? I don't. I think, I, I think this is going to be a really close game. I, I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I think it's going to go back and forth. Um, I just think Clemson's offense – is so good right now and is humming that they're going to end up scoring more points. But I I think what Virginia Tech can do schematically is going to give Clemson's defense some trouble. Clemson may not face another offense that's going to give them this kind of trouble the rest of the season. I mean, if they played Ohio State, Ohio State doesn't run these kind of things. Um, Alabama doesn't run these kind of things. I think Virginia Tech runs a scheme that can give Clemson issues. So I think it'll be a closer game, but Clemson will win. 
I wonder how Virginia Tech's going to handle the stage. They, they haven't been on this stage for a little while. You're going with a, a guy that's he's a junior college transfer. This is his first year at this level. He's had some good games. He's had some games that weren't as good. I think it's going to be a little lower scoring. I'm going 34-20 Clemson. I think that Clemson's going to keep the offense rolling, but you know Virginia Tech will get their stops. I just the thing with with Virginia Tech is they haven't been as efficient scoring touchdowns in the red zone this year. They're like in the 90s in t- red zone touchdown percentage. Could this game be kind of like last year's North Carolina game where Clemson gets a lead and then the other team comes back and makes it interesting? It could, but I could also see it being the opposite. I could also see it being a game where they're challenged early, uh, and then once they start to figure out the schemes as the game progresses, they start to pull away. Because I, I, I just don't know. It's tough. It's really tough to figure out how good this Virginia Tech team is because yeah, they blew out North Carolina at North Carolina. They got a good win at Pitt. They also lost by 21 to Tennessee. They lost by 14 to Syracuse, 10 to Georgia Tech. And they haven't really played the best teams in the ACC this year. They didn't play Clemson yet. They didn't play Florida State yet. They didn't play Louisville yet. So it's hard to tell how good this team is. Uh, I think if Clemson gets beat from a coaching standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, uh, it could be a really close game. But I feel like Clemson's talent should be able to bring them to a two-score win if they are locked in on their schemes and they can consistently score. They don't. They can't have that lull like they did against North Carolina where the second half they just kind of shut down. They've got to keep their foot on the pedal and finish the game strong. I want to talk a little bit about what happens if Clemson loses this game um, because the postseason gets really screwy. I don't know if you all have heard, but you know, the Navy and, and their conference championship game if they win it, they could delay and paralyze the bowl system for a while, and and it may be a while before we find out where everybody's going from the the not the not the playoff, but down below that. Clemson's been rumored to be to be in line for the Cotton Bowl if they lose this game because Virginia Tech contractually is the ACC champion. We go to the Orange Bowl, um, and Clemson would play Western Michigan allegedly, and who knows if PJ Flex even the coach there or if he even cares because he's about to be the head coach somewhere else. How uneventful would that be? I mean, the Cotton Bowl usually is like, oh, pretty cool, go play in Jerry's world. But for Clemson, would that not be a humongous letdown if they lose this game? Man, feel the excitement. <laughs> Clemson versus Western Michigan. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm sure people will be thrilled uh, to, to, to hear us talk about that one if that one happens. Well, but. all these people will probably save their money up for Phoenix or right. Tampa or Whatever. Hey, I'll say this: I don't think a lot of Clemson fans are going to be ponying up to go to Dallas to watch Clemson play Western Michigan. But, but if, it is, if that turns it is out a cool stadium. I think some people would would make the trip, but I think it would be fitting just because it, it would be so disappointing if they lost this game. It just not making the playoff just feels like an absolute failure for this team with Deshaun Watson with all the players they have, and I think it'd be kind of fitting that they're playing some MAC team out in Dallas in a power. In a, in a playoff bowl. I mean, it could be worse. They could be in Charlotte, you know, yes. like in the in the, in the Belt Bowl or something. Here's here's what I know. If you're Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, if you're Penn State or Wisconsin, if you're Michigan, you are rooting for Virginia Tech on Saturday because that is the biggest window for any team to get in is if Clemson loses. If Clemson loses, the ACC is out. 
period. The, the ACC does not make the playoff if Clemson loses. So if you're one of those teams on the bubble where you can get a big win Saturday but you still might not get in, you're rooting for Clemson to lose because that is the more chaos situation. I mean, you look at the playoff. Alabama, I think Alabama can lose and they're still in the top four. I don't see any way they don't make the playoff. Ohio State at number two, I think they're safe at this point. Washington, they've got a tough game against Colorado. I think if Washington beats Colorado, they're ultimately going to be in. If they lose, maybe Colorado gets in. I don't think Colorado would be the team to get in, but it's a possibility. If Clemson loses, the ACC's out. That, that just that just changes everything from that standpoint. I just can't wait for three Big Ten teams to be in the playoff. Oh. It's going to be exciting. Good football. Oh. No, let's. I mean, luckily the scenario of that happening isn't very good. It's not likely. Let's let's avoid all talk of that right now. Um, I I still wonder what's going to happen with Wisconsin and Penn State because I think the winner of that game is very much in play for a playoff spot. Could bump Washington. I don't think anybody's bumping Clemson. I think Clemson's in. Yeah. You know, you you have to follow what the committee says every week. You know, and Washington is a team that started on the outside. You know, and has kind of worked their way in, worked their way out, or the way you know. I, Clemson's been solidly in there um, since week one, and I don't I don't think that's going to change. Of course, they benefited that week that they lost the pit that everybody else yeah. lost too, so that really helped them. But I don't think there's any question Clemson gets in. The ACC champion, one loss team, is going to make the playoff most years. And I don't think there's any way Washington's jumped over. I just, just with, I don't either. Because I mean, you can't justify saying okay, a one loss Ohio State. Oh, I, th- I, th- I thought you meant would they jump Clemson? No, I mean I, oh. Washington. I don't think they'll get jumped by like Penn State or Wisconsin. I think they could. Fans. I think they. If, I, I think if Wisconsin blows out Penn State, Wisconsin's got an argument because their only two losses are to. The fifth team in the country and the second team in the country. Yeah, Wisconsin has the resume. I, I just I don't think the committee's going to want to set a precedent they don't have to set. They don't have a choice. Well, they're going to set a, uh, some precedent well, well, regardless. Well, 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 correct, but, but um, they, they don't have a choice with the Big Ten because you're either putting in a one-loss team that didn't win a conference championship or a two-loss team. But they don't have to set two precedents. But, but, they but they're telling us that the number two team in the country didn't even win its conference championship but yeah, the, the team that did win that that conference championship has no right to be in. It's either way, they're in a bad spot. They are. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I mean, my my feeling is, unless the top four, any of the top four lose, I don't think it's going to change. That's my feeling. Is it's it's going to be the same. I I could see Clemson moving up ahead of Ohio State possibly after getting a conference championship. Maybe that vaults them ahead in terms of seeding. But I don't think the top four teams are going to change unless Clemson or Washington loses. That's it, just my feeling. Is there any way Clemson moves down to four? Is With an Alabama loss to Florida, would Clemson move to number one? How do you see that? I, I've, I've questioned whether Washington could jump Clemson. I seem to be the only one in that boat. But, you know, Washington's going to play a top ten team this week. Clemson's playing a number 23 team this week. Uh, I think if... Clemson has a close game against Virginia Tech, and Washington has a convincing win against Colorado. That could be enough to move Washington ahead of Clemson. Uh, in terms of moving to number one, it's a possibility. Um, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. I mean, if if Alabama loses on Saturday, do they still have the best resume in the country? They might. I mean, I mean, does Clemson really become a better resume team just because Alabama lost this week? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I. 
I feel like they wouldn't keep Alabama at number one if they lost him the last week of a year. You are usually sure. penalized if you lose. Usually. Yeah. In some way. But, I mean, they're in. I, I don't know. I, I think you can make an argument both ways for Alabama if they lose to be number one or, or fall to two or three. But, I mean, I think ultimately Clemson's going to be in, in Glendale, Arizona. If they that that, would, that yeah. would seem very likely. Yeah, I, I don't see how they could move up or down. I think it's just it's so tough. You know, reading what the playoff committee is going to do because you know two years ago they had like TCU at three in the in the 2014 rankings, and then they moved them to six after blowing out Iowa State. You know, you, you just you, this this ranking this last week you can just pretty much throw out. I don't think I think they're going to go into that final ranking. They're going to overthink it and they're going to do something weird. Probably. Almost clear the slate a little bit. Yeah. I, well, here's the thing too. We don't know the differences between these teams. Like we don't know how much do they like Ohio State more than they like Clemson. How much do they like Washington more than they like Michigan or Wisconsin. We don't really know the gaps there. You know, we just see the rankings. But it's just typical as a human being. You're going to tier these teams in a in a, in a way that yeah. the rankings don't show. But if you listen to Hocut uh, on his, you know the. ESPN show each week. Uh, this last week, he, said, Wardy he said he said Washington and Michigan are like really close. Yeah, so. yeah. I th- I think they're doing that to keep the Michigan talk alive because Michigan's a, a brand and a name. I don't. I never believe a word that comes out of these people's mouths ever. <laughs> Usually, a good idea when you're dealing with people in those kind of positions of power. Uh, I think Alabama, Clemson, and Washington will all win this weekend. Whether anything changes. We'll have to see if a committee decides. Do you guys think there will be any surprising upsets this week? I don't know if it's an upset, but Penn State could beat Wisconsin, and then how do you how do you justify that? Because Penn State, you know, has, <laughs> has the, the marquee win. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't I don't foresee Colorado winning. Um, I don't think Virginia Tech wins. So yeah, I, I don't I don't expect a lot of upsets in among these conference championships. I think Colorado will give Washington a game, but I think Washington is the best team in the Pac-12. or They have the best resume in the Pac-12. Maybe Southern Cal's playing like the best team right now, but I think uh, I think Colorado will give them a game, but I think Washington will win it. And Outside of that, I don't see any major upsets. Well, we've got to run. Uh, thanks for listening in again this week. Uh, go to orangeandwhite.com for full coverage of this week's ACC championship. Uh, and then, of course, afterwards, uh, whatever happens, we'll be we'll be covering that as well. If wherever Clemson might end up uh, playing in a bowl game and, and potentially fervor, uh, so we'll have lots of coverage. Orangeandwhite.com. Follow us on Twitter at orangeandwhite, and always pick up a copy of the Independent Mail for uh, full coverage of Clemson football and other sports uh, every single day. And check us out. Uh... Scott Keeper from the Greenville News and I will be doing some Facebook Lives over the course of the next couple of days from the road, from sunny Orlando, wherever, the, <laughs> wherever we might end up. Thanks for listening, everyone.